Amen. A lot going on, it feels like, uh, um, right now, and uh, we get to be a part of it. And it's exciting, and at the same time, it's exhausting. Um, this day has already been kind of an emotionally exhausting day um, to some degree. Um, and we got to pray for people in the first service, and it was absolutely amazing. But I want to walk you through some scripture here today um, in light of what's going on. But I also want to share something with you, um, and we'll get into the absolute details of it a little bit later. But let me just share some details with you today. Um, the minorest of details is that we've been praying since last fall. Last fall, we knew um, Jay Robinson and Sarah Robinson have done an absolutely astounding job of uh, a, a meeting with our youth and doing like that. And in the course of events, he said, hey, hey, um, you know, we've got three children now, and I got a full-time job, and like, hey, we need somebody, and uh, you know, you need to get somebody, and so I, he's done a great job, and I can't thank him enough, um, but we have been on the hunt for the last while, and um, I want to assure you that um, somebody came into our church as part of the interview process last Sunday uh, and was here during second service, and we are ecstatic that the board invited us to make him an offer, and he accepted that offer. And so we're looking for him, a dedicated um, high school youth pastor, to be a member of our church staff coming at the beginning of the summer. Now, you may or may not know it, but uh, MJ White has been our youth um, um, leader for quite a while now. Um, and lo and behold, she went and got a college degree, and she wants to use it. And so um, rather than call down fire on her head, um, it was best for us to release her from employment, um, but not really because she still will be part of the worship team, so we're excited about that. Um, but we've also been looking for a worship leader, and there was, in fact, a worship leader standing on that side of the stage last Sunday that you may or may not have recognized, hey, that guy doesn't look right. He's not one of us. He is now. Him and his family will also be moving in here um, sometime between now and the beginning of the summer. And so we are very excited to see God moving in big ways. I consider that a big way as the pastor of this church. And this is the deal. This is, this is where it leads right into the beginning of what we're talking about. I still believe in greater things. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I believe in greater things. I believe in greater things for me. And I believe in greater things for you, but I can't make you believe in greater things, okay? Now, I have struggled down through the years to um, um, understand the difference between health, wealth, and prosperity because I am not a health, wealth, and prosperity preacher. I don't believe that you get saved, whatever you believe, whatever you can dream up, whatever you can, you know, that God has to give that to you, and that's just the way it is. God said, whatever I want, that's what he's going to give me. Whatever I ask for in Jesus' name, he's going to dump it in my lap. And so we just go through the spiritual Walmart going, give me that, give me that, give me that, give me that. And we just think God's going to give it to us like we're a three-year-old going through um, Walmart. Seriously. But the flip side of that is the idea that we should be living in the power and the provision of God, and that should be a little bit different than the people around us. And I want to share this thought with you. Last fall, a pastor friend of mine came in from out of state, and we were hanging out. And he said, this is a man that's older than me. I, I respect this man immensely. And, and he said, I don't know why you always want me around. He said, I just want to be where you are because you appear to be living in the favor of God. And I started laughing and he said, no, no, no. I thought he was making fun of me because he likes to make fun of me a little bit. And, and I thought he was making fun of me. He said, no, I'm serious. I'm not talking about money and houses and like, like that kind of wealth. 
He said, I'm just telling you right now, since I have met you, he said, I believe that you are walking around in the favor of the Lord. And I'll just be honest with you. I do believe that, but I believe that for everybody. I believe we should all be walking in the favor of the Lord. I do believe that. And I'm going to wrestle with that. I'm going to get tripping over my tongue. And I'm going to get some words messed up over the next 25 minutes. So please just bear with me, if you will. Because I'm not talking about money, but my children, um, our children, as I was talking to this pastor, we were talking about both our children. My love for the city of Richmond, for Madison County. I never dreamed that I could move here from western Oklahoma and fall in love with Madison County. But I can remember when I was done with the church I came here to help that I was beginning to cry because I knew I needed to give this young man some room to continue to be himself. But at the same time, I did not want to leave Madison County. I I fell in love with it. And lo and behold, I got a phone call from the vineyard up in Lexington, and they just said, hey, we don't know you, we've never met, and this is the deal. And it's like, God did something. And I felt the favor of the Lord on me. And then, and then you, you, you. When we talk about the favor of God, and I'm talking with my friend Bill, I'm talking about you. I, I get to interact with you, we get to hang out, we get to do this together. It's pretty amazing the way the Lord has moved in my life. But here's the deal. I've come to the understanding that I've, I've always very, very carefully apologized for anything good that's happened in my life, even though I gave God credit for it. I'm done with that. I am done with that. The Lord has blessed me, and I am thankful for that, and I'm not better than anybody, but I want you to know He wants to move in your life in a very powerful way. And I want to take you to the idea of living in the favor of God. And what does that mean for you and I? And how should we be experiencing that? So I want to take you to Luke chapter 4. Because this has been um, one of those passages that kind of sticks out to me a little bit. And I, know I kind of feel like a pastor that always gets out here and says, now this, pastor, this passage I'm going to read to you, it stuck out to me. for well, They all stick out to me, okay? But, but I remember reading this one in western Oklahoma and thinking, hey, look at this, what Jesus says about this. And then I've been spending months and years trying to understand this last comment that he makes. All right? But in Luke, in chapter 4, beginning at verse 16... Let me back up a page here in this thing I call a Bible that we're going to talk about today at 6 o'clock. I mean, at 5 o'clock, and then at 5.30, um, we're going to go in the other room, and then at 6 o'clock, we're going to have Apollo's Wagon Wheel Pizza. It's going to be great. Okay, that just as a side note. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. Well, I'm going to start at 14. I know I didn't put it on this thing, but a little bit, a little, little bit of background. Jesus returned to Galilee. Guess what? Jesus wasn't in Galilee and went back. Okay? That's what that means. In the Greek... It means he was over here and went back. Okay, just so you know. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everybody praised him. Now look at this. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. He didn't head for the golf course. He didn't head for the lake. He didn't head for anywhere else except church. As was his custom. He didn't say, I'm going to go up on a mountain and hang out with my dad because I can get more out of a relationship with God on top of a mountain than I can in church with those people. He went to church as was his custom. And I love this. And he stood up to read. When they asked who wants to read the scroll, because they read through the scroll, Jesus stood up. He stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. 
in the red. I don't know if it was written on a scroll in red, but it's written in my Bible in red. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and check this out, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Are we living in the year of the Lord's favor? Is that what we're doing? And then Jesus rolled the scroll back up, gave it to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of everybody in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your eyes. Okay, that's not going to show up on a screen, but it's there. And it's part of it. And I love this. I love this. Because this Greek named Luke is writing about Jesus and saying the children of God are the children of God, but it is time for the children of God to live in the favor of God. So it's entirely possible for you to be a Christian person and you might be walking for Jesus, but you might not be walking with Jesus. And I have found that it's walking with Jesus, that's where you're going to find the favor of God raining down on your head. That's where I believe the sweet spot for Christians should be, is in keeping step with the Spirit and walking with God, not just for God. So I've been wrestling with that. I've been challenged with it, and I've enjoyed it, and we're moving forward. And I want to talk about the idea that I believe with all of my heart that the kingdom of God will change your life, not only when you surrender your life to Jesus, but when you begin to vest everything in your life into that belief system. When you begin to use every... I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about when you will use your talent, when you will use your opportunity to stand or to speak in front of people or to say something to somebody or to tell them what happened. When you begin to use every aspect, heart, soul, mind, and strength, when you begin to manipulate that and it just becomes a common thing to do to speak the name of Jesus, you will begin to be surprised what I believe will rain down on your head. And I'm just not talking about material possessions and put your quarter in and pull the slot machine handle. I'm trying to wrestle with the idea that I'm telling you that when you surrender to Christ, when you decide that He can have your mouth at work, your relationship to your spouse when you're in a crowd, when He can have these areas of your life, you will begin to be surprised that you will embrace the year of the Lord's favor. Now, I don't believe the year of the Lord's favor was 12 months. I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. I think Jesus was saying, I'm ushering in the kingdom of God, and this year it starts right here. Kind of like when people say, well, there's a, there's a year, so to speak, from, from Adam to um, Abraham, and then from Abraham to David, then from David, and they call it a year, but it's a season, it's a time, it's a, what I believe that Jesus is saying, as we move forward things are going to be different and you are going to walk in the favor of God to use it to bring the kingdom of God to bear in people's lives and when we say God how come I'm not embracing this favor I think what we should say is am I using the things that the Lord has invested in me my children my marriage my car in my house my dogs um my pool in my backyard, uh, my really cool office in the other room? Am I using these things to speak the name of Jesus and try to put a little hook into the conversation to begin to wrestle with people's relationship to God? I believe that walking with God in His favor 
gives me chances to grow people into a relationship with Jesus, and then I have to decide what I'm going to do with those chances. What will I do with those opportunities? In the book of John, the Scripture says that, Therefore Jesus said, I verily, verily I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep, and all who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But sheep have not listened to them. I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in. They will go out. They will find pasture. The thief only com comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they might have, it li they might have life and have it to the full. In the King James, it says, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly, okay? Now, if you've been in this church long enough, you have heard me define for you what that word is in the Greek, haven't you? You know that that word is perisos, P-E-R-I-S-S-O-S -S -S in the Greek, perisos, all right? That's the word. Jesus goes on to say, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep that they might have a parisos life. Go out and find good pasture. Come in and find protection. Be under the watchful care and the watchful eye of a shepherd that will kill the lion, that will kill the wolf, that will destroy the thing that's coming after you. If we will be his sheep. If we'll do it. Scripture says right here that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy sheep. That passage alone is one of the reasons I keep telling you don't invite people from other churches to this church. Because that's just stealing somebody else's sheep. We get that. That is not real kingdom growth. Real kingdom growth is when we go out there and find sheep that are lost, that are disenfranchised with religion, separated from people that abuse them, and say, how about you come on in here and meet Jesus, the good shepherd, instead of sheep who think they're in charge? See, that's the picture that Jesus is, is painting here. Parisos. In your head, check it. Book of Romans, chapter 8. Verse 35 to 39, Paul's talking to the church in Rome, and he says this. In light of all the life that we go through, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. All he's saying is, when you're going through your everyday life and things get difficult and people are persecuting you and mocking you and saying things about you, when you don't have enough to eat that day, when your clothing is turned into dust and falling off your body and you're just running around naked, or when somebody's chasing after you with a gun or a sword or a knife, when somebody wants to club you or beat you to death all day long because you're doing what is right and you are living in the righteousness of Christ and they hate you for it. And they will hate you for it. Because sinners do not want to hear that they're sinning. I didn't when I was a sinner before I got saved. I don't consider myself better than anybody, but I can tell you I'm always making uh, excuses why I'm not a bad person. There is none that is good, no, not one. I didn't write that. That's what it says in this book. See? And the enemy is coming after us. But when life comes after us and tries to kill us, we are considered a sheep for the, to, to be slaughtered. But Paul goes on to say, no, 
In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any other powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, listen, it's not going to happen. When these things come after us, when we get attacked, when, when the enemy is coming, we are more than conquerors. And if you've been in this church long enough, you know we did a whole sermon series on this, and that Greek word is hooper nikeo. H-U-P-E-R-N-I-K-A-O. Hooper nikeo. And it means we're more than conquerors. And I'm really sorry for this illustration, but it's the only one that I can give you that's relevant to me. And, and I really am not really fond of this man anymore because he was a traitor. But listen, when, when Tom Brady played for the New England Patriots, <laughs> back when he was following Jesus, okay? But seriously, who could beat them other than Miami? We all know it didn't matter what we did or how well we played. And listen to me say we, right? Um, we got beat by Miami. It did, um, we had a perfect season rolling. 13-0, and 0, I think it was, and we went down to Miami to play the game before the playoffs. And the, the, bottom, of the, the, the bottom rung of the ladder beat us to death like we forgot how to play. <clears throat> because we got arrogant. We're just going to play Miami. We beat everybody else that played us. We're just playing Miami. See, that's how the enemy does enemy comes after you and he gets you arrogant it's one thing to know you can you have the power you work together but when you stop thinking that you've got to be aware and be protected and pay attention and as Peter said be alert the enemy will hook you and ruin your season but you and I know that before we go to Miami the Miami's in our lives we are Hooper Nikeo that's the word and these two words that we let fall to the wayside because we can't manipulate them, we can't explain them, we can't manipulate Jesus, are nonetheless supposed to be part of our inheritance in Christ Jesus. The word parisos from John 10.10 means vehemently, abundantly, more. I mean, what does that sound like to you? It sounds like vehemently, abundantly, more. If I read it forward and backward, if I read it backwards, it's more abundantly, vehemently. But it still says the same thing. It also means exceedingly, abundantly, above. I'm not talking about your money. I'm not talking about your possessions. I'm not talking about your things. I'm talking about your life. Looking like a life that somebody will walk up to you and say, the favor is, of God is on you and I want to stand next to you and I want some of it to rub off on me. I want to talk to you about what does that mean. Because even today I'm still trying to figure it out. Hooper Nikeo, the, the simplest definition is that you're over-overcomers. You're super-overcomers. Hooper means super. Okay? You can get that tattooed if you want, but um, Hooper Nikeo means over-overcomer. It's David, in my mind, leaving the line, swinging his legs. If you see him, put one hand on the little, the little Kentucky brick wall. 
you know, and his legs come together and fly over it. And it's not in the Bible that way, but it's in my head that way. Like Legolas coming over the wall. Two legs swinging over. A, a, a slingshot in this hand. Run down in there and pick up five stones and whoop up on that giant in front of him. Hooper Nikeo. In the Greek, what it means is the champion of the field. And Goliath thought he was the champion of the field down there. And so 81 times he said, come on out here and have at me. Let's have a battle and see what can happen. And David's like, I'm all about it. Let's do it. And in my mind, it took a couple of seconds. Run down there, pick up a stone, start slinging it or swinging it, still headed forward, wham! Hit him in the middle of the head, right there, pow, between the eyes. Over he goes, not dead yet. Pulls out the big man's sword, grabs him by the hair, and hacks his head off. You know how I know? Because he carried the head around for a while so that he could take it back to Jerusalem. See? Nasty. Hey, David, what got in the bag? Oh, check this out. A head of a Goliath. I mean, my head's this tall. I imagine Goliath's physical head was big. Nobody thought he was going to whip out a guy looking at you like, you know, just got his head whacked off. So he had Goliath's sword, and he had a dead man's head in the bag, and he takes it back to Saul to prove to him that he, he in fact, killed this man. He killed this man. Hooper Nikeo. I can't make you believe in Parisos and Hooper Nikeo, but I'm going to continue to press into it and stop apologizing for it. My life feels to me like a fairy tale life. And it's not because I've done so much good. Listen to me. It's not for sinners and not sinners. It's for people that are giving their life up to God. You can surrender your life to Jesus and you'll be saved. And as long as your feet are headed toward that cross, I don't think you ever have to give a second thought to your salvation. But I do very much believe that if you want to live in the favor of God, you've got to walk in the obedience of God. You've got to walk with Him. And I think that's what King David did. The guy that had sex with Bathsheba, the guy that had her husband killed, the guy that God said, this is a man after from my own heart. David lived a, a, a favored life, and it's like he killed people. But he repented when he sinned, and he got back up, and he said, God, I want to live for you. I screwed it up, and for a year, my bones inside of me dried up and hurt and ached and waxed empty. So I'm repenting, it's Psalm 51 in a nutshell. And that's what he said. And God said, here is a man after my own heart. The difference is being the people of God or walking in obedience and, and, and using your gifts to move God's kingdom forward. How are we doing that? Hooper, uh, Parisos and Hooper Nikeo are words that you use when you go through life. Not running away from something, but running towards something. Let me tell you something. You can run away from monsters. You can run away from bad choices. You can run away from consequences. You can run away. You spend your life running away from something, and you're never um, where you want to be because you're constantly looking back trying to run away from something. Until you're running towards something, you don't know what's what. 
And it's important for us to know what's what. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to walk into His presence. I want to hear Him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I made a promise to my wife. I'm going to stick to it. I want to hear her say, thanks for being that husband. I, I, I want to invest in my kids. I want to teach them about Jesus. I want to watch them surrender their life to Jesus. I want to baptize them or watch them get baptized. I want to see these things. I'm running towards something. I'm not running away from a bad life, a sinful life, a, a heathen life. I'm running toward Jesus. Jesus, who loved me, died for me, and is calling me out, saying, come, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And listen to me, I don't think everybody's got to go into full-time ministry. I don't think that tomorrow you've got to take a soapbox and go to work and like put it down between the cubicles and get up on top about it and just jump up and say, Parisos! And people look to like, you're either on drugs or you're speaking in tongues. And, and, and they don't, you're going to get fired. Hey! But God already knew you were going to get fired. He knew you were going to do a a good thing, but a dumb thing. He planned for it. You're still embracing a Parisos life because He planned for you. It's when we won't invest in what God's doing in our lives that we don't always have the opportunity to say, God, why aren't you doing this or why aren't you doing that? What's the deal here, Lord? When we put things, excuse me, when God puts things in your hand, what do you do with them? When he puts your house into your hands, is it a place of hospitality? Here's an easy way, here's an easy way to understand the answer to that question. What was the date of the last time you had somebody besides family into your house for a meal? to hang out, to get to know them. See, we don't do that anymore in our society. I meet you at Texas Roadhouse. You know, hey, you want to swing over and get some coffee at the coffee shop? And I'm not, I'm not against any of that, I'm not at all. But I'm just saying, when God puts things in our hands, do we try to use them for the kingdom of God? Do we attempt to do that? Check this out in Matthew chapter 25. The kingdom of God, again, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To the one he gave five bags of gold. Now, in your Bible, it may say talents, but it means uh, uh, 20 years of a man's life. So, 100 years worth of gold. To the one man he gave, I'm I'm just going to read it the way I'm used to reading it. To one he gave um, five talents of gold, to another two talents of gold, to another one talent of gold. Now, look at this. According to his ability. What if God gave you a new job? Do you have the ability to do it? What if God doubled your income? Do you have the ability to manage that income in a godly way? What if God doubled the size of the kids in your house? Do you have the ability to do that? What if he gave you greater influence with more people? Do you have the ability to to create... um, Um, more of whatever it is that is put into your hand. Do you have the ability to create increase? Check this out. Um, So uh, he went on his journey, and the man that received five bags at once put his money to work and had gained five bags more. Also the one with two bags or two talents gave, uh, gained one ta- uh, two talents more. And the man that received one talent went out and dug a hole in the ground, put his master's money in it. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with the man. The man who received five talents of gold brought the five other in. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five um, talents of gold. Look, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, 
good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Are you faithful with the few things that God gives you right now? I'm not trying to use God like a slot machine. I'm just telling you that if we're not going to be faithful with the little he gives us, why should he give us more? Think about it for just a second. I mean, just think about it in a rational way. Just, just in a rational way. If we won't do what God asks us to do with what he gave us, why would he give us more to not do what he asks us to do with? Seems kind of silly, doesn't it? And we laugh about it, but we'll leave here and not think about it again until we decide to get serious. Okay? He said, I'll put you in charge of many things. Come share your master's happiness. The man with um, two talents of gold also came in. Master, you entrusted me with two talents of gold. Look, I've gained two more. Master said again, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's wealth. Then the man that had received one bag, one talent, came and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. Lord, I know that you're boss. I know that you're rich, and I know that you make us do all the work, and I know you sit up there in your office, and all you do is get richer and richer and richer and look at us you're not sharing the wealth and you're not look at that if you don't hear that from the headlines in america today open your eyes it's not your boss look at that right there he goes on to say i was afraid and i went out and hid your gold in the ground i'm not doing anything with what you gave me nothing I'm not investing in your kingdom. I'm not going to try to invite people to church. I'm not going to do the things you called me to do. Because all you want is more and more and more. Here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, You wicked, lazy servant, you knew that I harvested where I have not sown, gathered where I did not scatter seed. Well then, you should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers, and then when I returned, you would have received, I would have received interest back at 4.75% if he was gone for six months and, you know, it was in a CD, okay, if he was lucky. But it's there. It's there. So take the gold from that guy and give it to the one that has ten bags, okay? For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, it's tough. Man, I, listen, I didn't want to be a Debbie Downer on this one, okay? I, I don't want this to be a Debbie Downer sermon. I want to be like really good. And Debbie, if you're in here, if there's any Debbie, I'm sorry. Uh, listen, I know how you feel because people are always like, oh, yeah, that Joe Schmo, you know? And it's like, why does it got to be Joe? You know, why does it got to be Debbie? Okay, I don't know, but it's your turn today. So, you know, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but here's the deal, okay? God is serious about this stuff. When we come to the Lord, are we serious about God? Are we serious about his kingdom? Are we serious about his work? Are we serious about what's most important to him? And that is his children going to hell and he's trying to save them. Do we care about God's children? Because he wants us to care. And I'm, as I head down this road, I think that we can walk with God. We can walk for God. Or we can walk in obedience to God. Okay? And it's that walking in obedience that I think is the place where we walk in the favor of God. And I'm not saying you're going to walk perfect. You're going to screw up, but get back up. Don't beat yourself up. He's not disgusted with you. He's not sick and tired of you. He's not fed up. Did you, did you really think that he didn't see all the days of your life before one of them was written down and knew what you were going to do and he died for it and that blood covers that sin? It's not permission to keep sinning, but it's, it is permission to not beat yourself up. 
to not think that the Hooper and the Kao and Parisos won't happen to you. Stand up and believe that it will happen to you. Lord, I'm a child of the King. The Hooper and the Kao and the Parisos is mine. How do I walk in it? How do I walk in it? Check this out. Our salvation is secure. That's not what I'm talking about. Our salvation is secure. The only question you have as somebody who calls themselves a Christian is are your feet pointed toward heaven? Are they pointed to the bar? Are they pointed to a relationship that's going to take you away from Jesus? That's all I want to know. Are your feet pointed toward heaven? Because when you sin and you will sin, get back up and keep moving toward the cross. Okay? But God is trusting us with the mission of heaven. And I don't know why he does that. I really don't. It's like there is better way. Listen, if, I just think that it would be if you would just surrender your life to Jesus and then he would take you off the planet today, we would be doing so much better. Heaven would be getting all full. It would be good. It just seems like a better you know, way to do things. But he didn't ask me. But what's crazy to me, because his thoughts are not my thoughts and his ways are not my ways, is that he entrusted you and I to do this job. And I wonder what he's going to say to us. We've turned it into a mission of, God, you've got to do this for me. God, you've got to do this for me. We are supposed to be living the Hooper Nikeo and the Parisos life. I just don't think it's like walking through Walmart going, give me that, give me that, give me that, give me that, give me that. Man, I believe that if there is something that is on your heart that you want and you're begging God for, then pound on the door until the judge wakes up, comes down, opens the door, and gives it to you. And that's Jesus' statement straight out of Scripture, written in red. But that's how serious you need to be about it. Not just, hey, give me one of those. Hey, give me one of those. Hey, give me one of those. You know. Like, Lord, I'm, I'm carrying about eight, eight pounds that I don't need right now. And man, I get up in the morning and say, Lord, make me healthy. Make this cookie kale. Okay? Because I hate kale. It's nasty and I won't eat it. But if I eat this cookie and you make it kale, I'll be healthy. And then I eat all the cookies. And you're, I'm not going to lose eight pounds that way. I'm just telling you. Okay? See, but we approach God that way in our prayer life. I'm just saying, are we investing everything we have? Here's the deal. Number two, the enemy wants you to settle. He wants you unarmed. He just wants you to settle. He wants you to settle for garbage. Settle for fake. Why settle for fake when God says, I can have the real? Because we are a people, for whatever reason, that go through life saying, well... I screwed up. I don't deserve better than this, do I? Because I messed up, God shouldn't give me more. Well, I'm, I'm, I can't earn it. The enemy whispers in our ear, it'll never happen for you. Not going to because of all these reasons. You keep falling down. You keep sinning. It's like, just keep getting back up for me, okay? Because when the enemy keeps whispering that in my ear, you know what I do? I literally say, you're absolutely right. I keep falling down. I keep sinning. I'm struggling. I don't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. And then I break into song. And you know what I'm talking about. We sing that song. Pretty soon I'm singing praise to God about how unworthy I am. And that's why he loves me so much and came down here and died for me. And that's my answer to the enemy. That is my answer. Of course I don't deserve it. He gave it to me. It's a gift. I've come to believe that I am a child of God. I'm not from this earth. This world's not my home. I've come to believe I'm an, heir, I'm an, a, a, excuse me, I'm an heir to the authority of Jesus' name. According to Scripture, I'm an heir to that. 
I am a brother to the one that sits in the throne on the right hand of Dad in heaven. And he's interceding on my behalf on a regular basis. I am saved, resurrected, and I am eternal. This body might not be, but I am. So the only decision I have to make is location, location, location. Right? What a metaphor from the real estate world. Because it's real estate. Even if the trumpet blows right now, this body cannot enter heaven. The scripture says the corrupt has to put on incorrupt. I get a new body as I'm going to heaven. And I'm good with it because I'm living in a time when I keep seeing things that make me believe that trumpet could blow any second. You say, well, the ashes of the red heifer. You keep your little red heifer to yourself, okay? I don't know where the ashes to the red heifer are, and neither do you. Rumor has it from people wearing tinfoil hats that it's under the Dome of the Rock, that there is a, a little, whatever you call those canister things, it's got the ashes of the red heifer in it, so it's close by. See? Things change that fast in the economy of heaven. But we settle for less than or for nothing because we think we don't deserve it. But I'm a child of God, and this Bible says so. And if I believe this Bible says so, then I'm going to have to keep telling myself every morning when I get up, I'm a child of God. I'm an an heir to the authority of Jesus' name. I'm a brother of the one that sits on the throne. I am saved, resurrected. You know why i got to keep telling myself that? Because i got to keep telling myself that because the enemy is attacking you day and night, telling you you're stupid, you're ugly, you're worthless, you're pathetic, God is done with you. How come you're not Billy Graham? How come you're not good enough? How come your church isn't 10,000 people? See, the enemy says that. You say, yeah, why? Why are we listening to him? We are Parisos. We are Hupernikeo. I still believe when Jesus said you will see greater things, and I am ready for greater things. And I will continue to put myself in a place to get more ready for greater things. Are you presently engaged in the mission of the kingdom of heaven? The story of the talents is about what you do with what God has invested in you. The story of the vine and the branches in John 15 is about staying connected and what you do with the things that God has invested in you, in your life. The story of the rich man and Lazarus, the beggar that was sitting outside of his house, is about what you do with the things that God has invested in you personally. The story of the widow giving everything she's got is about what do you do with the things that God is investing in you. Do you hold the blessings of God lightly or do you hold them tightly? When God puts something in your hand, Do you grab a hold of it and say, this is mine. God gave it to me. And when God says, hey, I need to borrow that for you, say, no, no, because if I give this up, where will I live? If I give this up, how will I eat? If I give this up, what will I wear? If I give them up, who will be my children? If I give, we make a lot of excuses when God puts a blessing in our hand to cling to it like a five-year-old with Skittles, not knowing that 50 bucks in your pocket will buy her so many Skittles she'll throw up rainbow. rainbow. 
You know what I'm talking about, right? And God says, can I have a Skittle? And we're like, no, no, no. And God is saying, I put it in your hand. Hold it. I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about everything about you. Have you ever used it to help move the kingdom of God forward? Do you share freely and give back generously when God asks for it? Or do we even struggle to give? Because he can give it back again. Whatever it is. You want more kids? Look at the story of Job. I was going to start with that today. Man after God's own heart, a righteous man. And God took his ten kids and then gave him ten times that many kids, whatever it was. Unreal. Can we trust God by living that way? Because I believe very, very clearly that God wants you to live a Parisos, Hupernikeo life. But you've got to stop looking back. You've got to stop looking at your failures. You've got to stop looking at the what-ifs, and you've got to move forward. You know, the Greek word for sin is a word picture of a man who grabs his bow and arrow, and he pulls it way back, and he points it at the target. And imagine, he lets go of the arrow, and it goes like this, and it starts getting close to the target, and all of a sudden, falls on the ground. It doesn't hit the target. It came short. It fell short of the ideal. God has given us ideals in our lives for our finances, our marriages, our children, our governments, and our arrows are falling short. That's sin. We say we're sorry, Lord, and we learn how to pull that arrow back better. But then there's another word for sin that means there's the target, and I'm shooting this way because that looks like more fun. We're not even trying. We've got to shoot at the target. But just know that if your arrow doesn't make the target, God's not done with you. He's not mad at you. He's not fed up with you. If he's got to discipline you, he will. But it's because he loves you. I want to live in the Hooper Nikeo. I want to live in the Parisos. And I want to stop apologizing for it. Are you using the things that God put in your care to share the gospel those of you that know me know I, I raise big dogs. I like big dogs. Very expensive big dogs. I had a phone call from a guy in Alabama a couple of litters ago. And he called and wanted to know the price of the dogs. That's all he wanted. Hey, can you tell me how much your dogs cost? I said, yeah. This is our, can you tell me about your dogs? I told him about our dogs. And the Lord just told me, push that button right there in this man's life. I talked to the man for an hour after that about his life and Jesus, his need for prayer. And then I got to pray with him. Now listen, I'm not standing on a pedal saying, look at me, I'm your ideal. I'm not. I'm just saying, that's an example. What are you doing with the things that God gave you to move the kingdom of God forward? I was glad I got to pray with that man. He never bought a dog off of me. That's okay. Because God had him call me so I could pray for him. The question is, are you going to do it? Are you going to start making that investment? This is what Jesus said. Verily, truly, very truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the things that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father, and I'll do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I believe in that. 
And I'm going back to the place where I believe it so much because Jesus said it. That's how I'm going to live. It might make me a basket case. It might. Hypothetically. Okay, really. But that's where I'm going back to live. Child of the king, not health, wealth, and prosperity because no is something God can say to me. But I will still chase after him. If the enemy comes, I will still chase after him. If they cut my head off, I will still chase after him. doesn't matter. But I have the right to walk into the throne room of God Almighty and nobody can stop me because God said, come, follow me. Is that your life? Have you settled for less than Hooper Nikeo or Parisos, exceedingly abundantly above what's going on around you so that they come say, how did you get here? And you can say, Jesus, and begin to move the kingdom of God forward in their lives. Think about it. These people are up here because they want to pray for you for that very reason. And we've gathered together as a congregation because we need a word from the Lord. And all I'm sharing with you is what is actually written in this book. There's not much interpretation when you're reading the words of Jesus. Ask my Father, or ask me anything, I'll do it. My Father in heaven will be glorified. I, I'm, I'm just doing this. God, you said, help me understand. Because if I don't understand, I'm the problem. I want to encourage you to get you some of that before you get out of here. We're going to go into this closing song after I pray. And these people are up here to pray with you. And they would love to pray with you. So let's pray. Father, as we come into your presence, God, we have sinned and we have messed it all up. But sometimes, God, you make us victorious and we've messed it all up because we haven't given you the glory. We haven't told our coworkers what amazing things God's done in our lives or how you intervened and saved us from this or that or the manner in which you prepared for us and how could you know that we were coming and then you made these people already there and they did the... God, you have done and continue to do so many amazing things in our lives. We don't always say thank you. Thank you. Help us to take the children, the marriage, the will, the house, the car, whatever it is, and invest it back in the kingdom that we might see your children come to salvation. Our lives change for the better. God, we release this here in this place right now in Jesus' name. Amen.